In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So you've raised your sons or daughters in the ways of Jesus. You raised them in a Christian home with loving parents. They went to church, they went to youth group, they went to children's church. They seemed to comply with everything you were teaching them. Maybe you had them dedicated, maybe you had them baptized. And then they turn 18, graduate high school, leave the home, and everything seems to unwind and everything that you seem to have taught them disappears. Enter the notorious stupid years between 18 and 25. How will you navigate around that season of your adult child's life? Find out seven tips on how you can win your children back. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, before we get into this episode, I want to talk to you about the sponsors of today's show, Juniper Mountain Trading Post. I love this coffee company. This is our, my new favorite cup of joe, and I am a snob when it comes to coffee. From their website, they wrote this, and this has to resonate with a lot of you guys. We roast coffee for those loyal to the lost way of life, those who never back down in the face of adversity, the ones that keep their word, treat people with respect, and still believe in the value and the importance of hard work. Guys, this is a great coffee company. I want to recommend you check out one of their cups of coffee. You'll recognize it by the big bull elk on the side of the package, man. It's awesome. Just go to junipermountaintradingpost.com and enter the word arena as you check out and you'll get a 10% discount on your items. Men in the Arena Army, I salute you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide to your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to today's show. Hey guys, before we jump into the meat of this podcast, I want to share with you a hero story that came in. Uh, again, our hero stories are stories of transformation where God has used our ministries to transform the life of someone you love or your life personally. This is hero story number 70, comes from Chase on Instagram, and he said this, he said, men in the arena has helped bring me back to my faith. 
Man, that's all I need to say, man. That is so cool. He continues, though, growing up in the church, I had a skewed perspective at what it meant to be a man, let alone a man of God. Your platform has given me the tools to grow spiritually, emotionally, and strengthen my marriage, become a better father, and to be a Christ-centered leader that my young family needs me to be. That is so powerful. Thanks, Chase. Hit us up with your physical address. We can send you some swag to say thank you for that comment, guys. Hey, let's jump into the meat of today's podcast. Today, guys, we want to give you seven tips to loving your children through the stupid years of 18 to 25 years old. You know, there are a lot of doomsday people out there uh, screaming, oh, we're losing kids. They're leaving the church. They're never coming back. And you know what? I, I go back to I go back to the Amish people and the, the year of Rumspringer when they allow their children at 18 to go sow their oats for a year. You know, they've been doing this for years and years and years and years. And there's a reason why this is. It is very common for children to go wayward when they are left on their own. So I'm not saying it's, a, it's something we hope for. I'm not saying it's something we pray for. It's something no parent wants to see. No parent wants to see their son or daughter doing stupid stuff contrary to biblical teaching and the things that you taught them in their home. However, we have to be prepared when that time comes. So if and when that time comes, how do you love your children back to the things that you taught them? How do you love your children well? How do you love your sons and daughters through the stupid years? So I have seven things that I've learned personally, or I've seen these lived out uh, personally. And I want to share these seven tips. I think they'll really help you. The first thing is this. It is your job as father to be incarnational Jesus to your sons and daughters, regardless of their actions. You know, in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 8, we see this uh, transfiguration story, and we see God the Father uh, one of only three times in the New Testament, audibly speaking, says this about Jesus. This is my son, in whom I love, in him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So basically what happens here is the father says this, this is my son. In other words, Jesus belongs to me. The second thing he says that's unconditional, it's, it's not conditional based upon the actions of Jesus, is I love this son of mine. So as a parent, we need to look at our adult children, regardless of what they do, and say, you will always belong to me. You will always be loved by me. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story of the prodigal son. You know, we see the, the woman in the lost coin, that parable, where she searches the house for the lost coin. In Luke 15, we also see the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd searches for the lost sheep. However, when it comes to the lost son, a human perspective, the father does not search for the son. The father looks on the horizon every day, looking, hoping, praying for the son to come back. But when the son comes back, the father offers us a beautiful picture of how we can receive our children. The first thing he does is he put he he puts a ring, the signet ring on his hand, which is that he gives his son, even though the son had squandered half his inheritance, the father gave his son power of attorney. The father put the cloak over his shoulders, which is a symbol of honor. And the third thing that happened I thought was very, very significant, maybe the most significant in the story, is the father put sandals on his son's feet. You see, the son came shoeless 
to his father. I believe that was on purpose because a shoeless person was a slave, was a servant. They had no rights. So the son coming to the father shoeless is acknowledging he's forfeited his sonship. He's forfeited his rights. He just wanted to be a slave and be treated with kindness because he knew his father was a man of integrity. But the father puts sandals on his son's feet. The father says, no, you will never be a slave because you belong to me. So the first thing that we can do is to be incarnational, hands, feet, and heart of Jesus. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is our job as parents, is to be the incarnational hands, feet, heart, arms, eyes, mouth of Jesus. The second thing that you can do is continue to pray for your sons and daughters. You know, I'm a little alarmed at how many men I talk to who do not pray for their kids, or they don't pray for the spouses of their kids. It is your role, Dad, to pray not only for your children, but for those men and women that your children will marry one day. And I would say this, pray for you. When your children enter this weird phase I call the stupid years, or if they do, your job is to make sure that your heart is pure, your heart is clean, your heart is open to them, just like the Father in Luke 15. So your job is to pray for your children and for your own heart. The third thing you can do is this. When when you see your children, when you see that child that is wayward, let's say, Smile, look them in the eye and smile, just like you would if they were the most popular person on the planet. You know, if you're a Christian man, your children know that you love them, but do you like them? When you smile, when you look them in the eyes, it says, listen, not only do I love you, but I like you. And when I learned that principle, it was a game changer for me because my face often represented how that son was acting in the moment. And I don't want my facial expression to communicate anything other than I love you and you belong to me. It's an unconditional gift, regardless of what you do. The fourth thing is this, hug them when you see them. And, and especially you dads of daughters, as your daughters develop physically, you'll, you have a tendency, dad, to pull away because you don't want to be or appear to be inappropriate. And I just say, you know what? That's garbage. Your daughters need you to embrace them, to love them, to kiss them on the forehead, whatever. Because if you don't, guess what, buddy? Somebody else is going to, and you probably don't want to know what's going to happen next. So they need to find their love and affection from you. Uh, If you have a son or daughter that is struggling through the stupid years, your job is to embrace them, to love them, just as the father embraced the son in Luke chapter 15. The fourth thing that you can do, and this is really important, in my garage gym, I have these big rubber bands. They're workout bands. So they stretch, probably stretch maybe close to 10 feet in length. So if I took one of those bands and I put that over each of my kids, there is an imaginary workout rubber band over each of my sons. And I allow my sons all in their 20s at this point to go and be individuals and do their thing. But I only let them go so far before I re-engage with them. And it's very easy for a parent when you see your children doing stupid things to just take that rubber band off and go, hey, I'm out. But you cannot do that, Dad. You've got to engage them emotionally. You have to gauge them 
Spiritually, you have to gauge engage them relationally. Put that rubber band over them and engage your children. The sixth thing is this, guys. You know, we live in a day and age where we have bulldozer uh, dads knocking over all these obstacles. I've heard of snowplow moms bulldozing over every obstacle in the way. You've heard of the helicopter parent hovering over their children. We live in this day and age where one of the mistakes that good parents make is they're over protective of their children and they do not allow their children to um, experience adversity, suffering, persecution, uh, reaping what they've sown. And so we as parents need to use wisdom in how we deal with our children when they initiate decisions that are going to harm them. So guys, I just pray James 1, 5 over you that God, and he promises in James 1, 5 to give you wisdom. So I just pray that over you, that when your children struggle, that God gives you wisdom, how to deal with each individual child, because every situation requires you to have wisdom. And in each of our my child's decisions that I thought were dumb decisions, I had to ask God to give me wisdom. And I think most of the time I chose right, but not all the time, not every time. So I just pray wisdom over you that you know uh, to what degree, you know, and I think for me, the degree with my kids always was, I do not want them to make decisions that will lead them into permanent damage or permanent bondage because God has called us to be free. And so we as dads need to be the gatekeepers. We as dads need to lead our children to freedom and be engaged enough that when we see them leading to bondage, we can step in and through wisdom, lead them and direct them, hopefully the way that they should go. And the seventh thing is this. We started, the first thing was to be the incarnational hands and feet of Jesus. The seventh thing, dad, is this. Trust Jesus with your children. This is hard. It's hard when you pour your life into your children. It's hard when you think that you crushed it in the stress bubble and you release your kids on the other side of the stress bubble just to see them see it, uh, unwind for a season. But remember all of your prayers. Remember that you have trusted your kids. Here's a prayer I prayed over my kids. My wife and I prayed this prayer over our kids almost every night before they went to bed that God would protect them from sin and sickness, disease, illness, and injury all the days of their lives. And it was really cool for me to hear my oldest son pray that exact same prayer. I think he added a couple things because he's raising a daughter. He ate over my granddaughter. So cool to hear that. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up your child in the way that they should go. And when they were older and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And that verse literally means in the Hebrew, train your child in the way they should go according to their bent, according to their temperament. And, 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 there, and this is not a promise, but it is a principle that our job is to train them up because guys, listen, here's what I'll tell you. You are just a steward of your children for a season. 
You've got a short season of life to steward the children that God has given you, but ultimately they have to make their own decisions. They will reap what they have sown. You're, you are not the one reaping what they have sown. That is their responsibility. They will be held accountable for that. Your job is to raise them up in the way that they should go in the fear and admonition of the Lord, according to Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So guys, I hope those seven things helped you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please uh, copy the, this link, uh, this show link, and shoot it off uh, through a text to one of your buddies. Get them listen to our podcast. That'd help us a lot, guys. Until next time, feel the wet sound of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.